This session is on strongholds, it's talking about what stands in the way of us growing. If you're gonna grow and use any of these means of grace that God uses to grow us, tearing down strongholds is getting the weeds out of the way so that what God wants to grow, the weed in your life can grow and grow really, really well. Let's dive in this session and learn how to do this. scriptures that are just one person's issue and this person's issue. All of us sort of have uh, our issues and some of them seem to be distinct to different people groups, but there's one issue that I think is extremely important for us to dive in to recognize that all of us deal with even though it shows up in varying different ways and it's called a stronghold. <clears throat> a stronghold is uh, something that I want to talk about because I have them. You have them, all of God's children have them. And as I think about the idea of strongholds, I think to Paul's message to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, the 10th chapter. And in the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians, he says in verses three through six, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul is talking about a stronghold. What is, what is a stronghold? Very, very simply, a stronghold are stubborn mindsets or mindsets, uh, attitudes, and dispositions and value systems that exalt itself against the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul in the passage talks about the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. The way we fight isn't according to human ability, but um, they are divinely powerful for the destruction of these mindsets. So in dealing with this idea of strongholds is, is a very huge challenge for us because most of us would see adultery as a stronghold or pornography as a stronghold or pride as a stronghold. We'll see all different types of things as particular sins that are strongholds. But in all actuality, it's not really the particular sin that's a stronghold. It's actually the mindset that goes behind it. And in light of the mindset that goes behind it, that is the actual thing that's set up as a fortress that's extremely stubborn that doesn't want to move. But based on God's word, God says we have the ability through the divine power that he gives us to be able to tear down those strongholds. And so in every area of our life, whether you're a husband, whether you're a wife, whether you're a father, whether you're a son, whether you're single, whether you're married, all of us have strongholds. There's a case study uh, in our work up in uh, Judges chapter six where we can see how we actually deal with strongholds. Strongholds are those things, really to be honest, that impede upon our ability to grow spiritually. And so the way it impedes upon our ability to grow spiritually is it fools us into not allowing the word of God to be properly implanted in us, but we have something else implanted in us, an unbelieving belief system. These unbelieving belief systems are things within us that we begin to create in our minds as things that we hold tightly to, stubbornly, based on bad experiences, 
uh, a lack of implantation of the word of God, uh, bad communication, bad teaching, bad rearing, and then at the end of the day, living in a fallen world. And so what has to happen is we have to use the divine power that God gives through Jesus Christ to tear down those strongholds because you can pray, you can read the word, um, you can worship, you, you can, you can, you can uh, grab a hold of many of God's means of grace. But the issue is if you have a stronghold, a stronghold can actually impede upon the ability for any of us to grow. So in Judges chapter six, we see sort of what I would call a case study of this. And this case study in Judges chapter six really helps us to see what it looks like to have these faulty mindsets. So in Judges chapter six, verse 11, we see it says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiazrite, while, while his son Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wondrous deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And so what Gideon is dealing with is Gideon here is under uh, a terebinth tree and he's beating wheat in a wine press. And that's strange because no one would beat wheat in a wine press. And in light of beating wheat in a wine press, in light, in light of beating wheat in a wine press, we see that he's actually functioning using something that was meant for something else for, and replacing it with improper usage. I would call that functional dysfunction. Many of us in our lives function in functional dysfunction in many different areas of our life. And that's how you know you're in a stronghold. When you have a mindset that makes you use something that's used for something else and use it in an improper way in relation to God's glory and his master's name. And so one of the things that I see that's crazy was a show that my wife and I used to watch on cable. It was called Hoarders. And on that a TV show Hoarders, uh, people would have all different types of artifacts and things in the house, trash, clothing, and sometimes they would just pack things. And one of the things that you would see is as people would go into the house and engage those people, people wouldn't know that they were hoarding because it was a normal part of their existence. There would be a huge stench in the house and people would go in the house and, and, and they would be overwhelmed with the smell. But the person that was in that particular situation had been in that situation so long that they no longer smelled the stench. They no longer knew that they were hoarding. They, they, they had so made room in their lives for all of the things that they had cluttered in their life that they didn't know that they were in a broken situation. And many of you under the sound of my voice are listening and don't know that you're in a spiritually broken situation, but the people around you can recognize that you're in a challenging situation. And the powerful thing about God is God doesn't let the situation that we're in get in the way of his commitment to come and work in and through us to get those things removed. So God shows up at Gideon and says, calls him what he's not. He calls him a mighty man of valor. What does that mean? A special ops agent. That would be like in our armed forces. It wouldn't just be being an Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, or what have you. It would literally mean that he was like uh, a black ops or that he was uh, a Navy SEAL or, or, or a ranger. That means he's a specialist guy. But what's interesting is he's not functioning in that right now. But what's beautiful about God is God doesn't merely see us where we are. He sees us beyond where we are. And many times, some of us who are beginning to know that we're in strongholds, 
can't see ourselves beyond where we are, just like Gideon. And Gideon begins showing his strongholds and his mindsets in relation to being in this situation. And he says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And he starts naming things. Many times when we're in our strongholds, it's almost like we want to blame God for us being in our strongholds when it wasn't God that put us in our strongholds. It was us that embraced this stronghold and allowed ourselves put in it. But even as Gideon has placed himself in the stronghold, God has not let Gideon's disposition towards him and the false ways of thinking towards his goodness, towards his grace, get in the way of his commitment to move towards him. What I like about this passage, and it's just the beauty of the gospel, is that we don't go after God, God comes after us. And that's what God is even doing now for some of you. Some of you have been raped, some of you have been molested, some of you were raised in really, really tough situations. Some of you were raised by parents that ignored you. Some of you have had some bad experiences in your life that was a point in time where it created in you really a, a stronghold of a belief based on you creating a human defense mechanism, which is a fleshly defense mechanism, which can't really defend you from anything. It really opens you up to more. But God does something powerful as he comes to get in. Over in uh, verse 25, after Gideon is encouraged that this is the pre-incarnate Christ that's come to him and God is talking to him and engaging him and he's, he's affirmed to that, God says to him, deal with your stronghold. How does God call him to deal with his stronghold? It's beautiful. Look at what he says. He says in verse 25, it says, that night the Lord said to him, talking about Gideon, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build and build and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of, there it is, the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. And so in the Old Testament, strongholds were really just high places or, for, or places that were exalted above other places. And so what, what, what had happened is they had been serving other gods on the highest places of their lives. So what God wants them to do is God tells Gideon to go in his pop's house. I want you to go up to the highest place. This is probably his pop. That means his father was probably a priest of, of, of Baal and Asherah and tear down the altar. What I love about it is God uh, it acts upon Gideon to calls him by his strength to go and tear down the stronghold. Many of you in your life have to go back to that place of brokenness, that place of pain, that, that place of frustration and go tear down uh, that particular thing that has gotten in the way of you being all that the Lord wants you to be. In our building that we're in right now uh, at Epiphany Fellowship, we have we had to get it exterminated. And in getting that building exterminated, uh, it was it was crazy what had to happen. The exterminator came and he said, you gotta open everything up. And, and that means everything that has a knob on it or a handle on it, you gotta open all of those things up. And I was like, why do we have to open everything up? Because he said, I want everything opened up because what I wanna do is I have to exterminate. You gotta understand, we had rats, roaches, bats. We had things I didn't even know that festered in houses and, and in buildings. And so he came in and he told us to open up everything. He said, because if you don't open up everything, uh, if I exterminate this part, it'll get into the other part if the other parts aren't exterminated. And so what God is calling you to do is he wants you to open up every single area of your life. He wants you to open it up. And as he calls you to open those areas up in your life, he, he wants to go in there and actively work with you by his strength to tear down those things that are fortified mindsets that are working against your ability to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But what I like about what the Lord God does, and the Lord God doesn't tell you just to take something away. He doesn't come to just take stuff away. He comes to replace it with something better. And so he says in verse 26, he says, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. So the same place where they used to worship the Asherah, the same place where they used to worship Baal, all in, in that same exact spot where they were worshiping and doing their own will and functioning in subsidized mindsets. God says, I want you to replace it with an with a altar to me, a place of worship, a place where I can be the focus of that particular area and nothing else can be the focus. That's how we work. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are divinely powered. So what is the most effectively divinely powered weapon that we have? It's the word of God. And so what you have to do is whether you're dealing with pride, when you tear that issue down, you got to implant scripture on pride. God gives, God gives grace to the humble, but he what? He resists those who are proud. If you're dealing uh, with sexual promiscuity, uh, the Bible says flee immorality and pursue uh, 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 righteousness, uh, love, and peace, and enjoy the fellowship of those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. So we got to do that. And so if that's you, and you know God walked up your alley, and he walked up your street, and he's engaging you with this issue, let's dig in real strong and begin to use one of the mighty weapons that God has given us, the word of God, to replace the mindsets that have been destructive to us walking with the Lord. There, there are three phases, really, to the salvation of the believer. There's justification, God declaring us righteous by faith, sanctification, glorification. But within sanctification, there are three phases, positional, practical, and ultimate. What we've been talking about and what I love talking about is this idea of practical sanctification. And one of the things about practical sanctification is our everyday life is a drawing nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whether you're praying, whether you're getting in the word, whether you're repenting, whether you believe in the Lord God by faith and all of those different facets of life, God is working and willing his good pleasure within us. And as he's willing and working his good pleasure, he calls us to the responsibility of doing what? Pursuing holiness. How? Working out, not for, because you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But you draw near to God by what? Uh, working out your soul salvation uh, with fear and trembling. So my prayer is, is that the Lord God will continue his great work of taking us from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And like Paul says, I haven't gotten there yet, but I press towards the goal of the mark of the high calling of the Lord God in Christ Jesus. God bless you. Take care and press towards holiness without which no man will see God. God bless you. Take care. God really used uh, in my life the press of doubt to shape my story um, and turn my heart towards Him. I was raised in a Christian home. I came into relationship with Jesus at a pretty young age, uh, but because of that, my faith sort of grew in a vacuum. And when I went through most of my life with relatively no challenges to my faith, and so uh, when I got out in the real world and um, experienced things that challenged that identity and challenged that sense of belonging, um, I, I struggled with that. When I was uh, a junior in college, uh, I 
faced a series of events that really uh, struck at the core of who I believed that I was. Um, the dreams that I had shaped my identity and built my identity around uh, were taken away kind of in a moment. And in that, instead of pressing into the Lord and what he was trying to teach me in that about my identity in him and about who he had made me to be, I resorted to, to bitterness and to doubt. And where I went with that is I began to, I began to question God's um, promises to me and that grew to challenging, challenging God's, um, his character in and of itself. And from there, um, I grew to even question God's very existence. And though I never would have said it at the time, I functioned, I began to, to navigate my life functioning um, as an atheist. And that moment of my life was, when I look back on it now, I would like to say that, oh, you know, I just held on to the Lord and uh, he got me through it. But the reality is that the Lord held on to me because without him I wouldn't be standing here and uh, through a number of experiences whether it was wise counsel from friends or whether it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, or just this continual sh uh, heaping on of truth on my life God began to remind me of of who he was, that he not only was, but that he was for me and that he desperately wanted to be in relationship with me. And that truth transformed myself. It transformed the way that I lived my life. It transformed my identity. And so uh, the sand that I had been building my life on was replaced with a foundation of faith that couldn't have happened without that suffering, without that pain. And so now, um, as I face new storms, as I uh, come up against things that, that vie for uh, that place of my life of naming me and my identity, I, I'm able to remember that point of my life and remember God's faithfulness and God's goodness in, um, in shaping my story to reflect Him and Him only. Now that we got the weeds out the way, but we can begin utilizing all of the means that we talked about from sessions one through five. And now that you're through session six, you're finished in the sense of this series, but you're not finished in your life. Now is the time to begin the pursuing the holiness that God called you to. Remember, the core verse for this series is, work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. But it's God who works and wills, works in you his good pleasure. Now it's time to see that at work. So now, the next session is session seven. And guess what? Some people say that number seven is the number of completion. Well, I guess that's the new session that you're in. The new session you're in is now not on this video, but in the session of life to take all of these sessions and potently live out and walk with the God who saved you. Walk with the God who bought you with the price and wants you to glorify him in your body. So glorify him in this world by pursuing the living God who pursued you in Christ by dying on the cross and getting up from the grave that you can trust in him and repent and believe the gospel. Blessings to you. Take care and see you in the world as we're growing and looking more like Jesus.